Yo, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Football with Milo podcast. It has been a while. We brought back Brenton Baldwin, the GOAT himself, back in the oh, discussion. What's up, guys? Dude, it's been a long time since we did an episode. I'm honestly, like, super excited to get back on track with this because I missed it. And, like, now it's, like, full of uh, discussion now that football's back. Glad it's back. Yeah, I am too. It's It was a really exciting week one. It's going to be great to talk about this. And a lot of the drama went down that uh, we missed, so we got a lot to cover. Yeah, exactly. And even, like, you know, the whole COVID thing, no one knew football. I remember we were talking on one episode that we didn't know. I mean, they canceled preseason. We didn't know if football was going to even come back. And, you know, here we are. And even without fans, the players seem to be doing great. Um, even without preseason, too, is. It, it's like we picked up, uh, picked up where we left off last year. So, yeah, teams are looking good. Um, week one was full of uh, action and disappointment and everything. And so we'll be doing a week one uh, recap right now, uh, going over a few of those games. And uh, we'll be starting off with that Thursday primetime matchup with the Texans and Chiefs. Um, so going into that, uh, I'm sure you watched that game. Uh, what did you think about it? Like performance from Mahomes, returning from that Super Bowl run and all that. Yeah, I mean, Mahomes looked great at, as he did last year. You know, he seemed to pick up right where he left off. Uh, one thing I did notice, uh, the uh, Chiefs' new running back, Euclair, he looked really strong. I see a lot of uh, good potential of that uh, yeah. rookie running back. He looked uh, really strong in that week one performance, so hopefully he can keep that up for the Chiefs uh, continuing on. Uh, Texans... You know, I expected more from them. They they seemed to put drives together. They just couldn't put points on the board. And, you know, maybe that's a result, you know, not being able – or not having the preseason or uh, traditional camps or any of that. But I'm, yeah. I think uh, with time over the season, you know, more practice, more games, they'll start to put it together. I do see the Texans being uh, real playoff contenders at the end of the season. I'm not going to judge them off of this week one performance quite yet. But, yeah, it was definitely a good game. Uh, Chiefs look strong. They're going to be one of the tougher opponents to beat this year in the AFC, I definitely think. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think it was a really good matchup, um, especially on the Chiefs side of the ball. I mean, yeah, no, that rookie um, surprised a lot of people, especially fantasy owners, um, because no one really expected him to, like, do that um he was good in college so I think yeah he had a really great game especially not doing preseason so like it's his first big game his first starting game I'm sure he had nerves running through but I mean he handled it handled it pretty well um yeah and that was uh one of the only games with fans in the stands so you know yeah yeah no exactly fans on him (laughs) yeah um and I, you know, you could definitely see um, that Texans offense and how they're struggling now without DeAndre Hopkins. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely losing uh, DeAndre Hopkins hurt them a lot. There, uh, I noticed that uh, Deshaun Watson's definitely relying a lot more on Will Fuller. He seems yeah. to be the new primary target. But yeah, exactly. You know, you can't have only one solid weapon. You got to spread the ball out and. Yeah, once the Chiefs kind of honed in on Will Fuller, it seemed like a lot of other uh, receivers just had uh, little drops here and there, and that kind of cost the Texans in the like each yeah. drive. They just couldn't put points on the board. And obviously, if you're going to win a game, you got to put points on the board. And I think that's um, something too is like when you were talking about uh, you know Watson having to spread the ball around more. I think that's something he'll get used to. I think in this upcoming game, I think he'll be able to do that more. Um, but, yeah, you can definitely see that it's like – I mean, he played different. He, he kind of struggled getting those passes off in the first quarter, a lot of drop passes, a lot of missed targets, and then he started to get the hang of it. Um, yeah, and I think a lot of that's got to do with um, these quarterbacks not having the traditional preseason or uh, uh, camps or anything uh, and not being able to get, like, the development – and the timing down with their new wide receivers. Cause a lot of these guys, uh, a lot of these teams got like completely revamped their wide receiver lineup and the running back lineup. And even at a new quarterbacks, like you look at the bucks and Brady, uh, the, it just seemed like they're not quite on the same page yet. And that's obviously going to 
change over time. They're going to get better in sync with all these teams. But I think this is a lot to do with the COVID situation with new weapons and not quite having the timing down. And I think that's why the Chiefs were able to be so successful is because they didn't really change their uh, wide receiver lineup all that or running back lineup all that much. So Mahomes still had the same timing as he's always had with Hill and Kelsey and uh, Sammy Watkins. So they were able to just pick up right where they left off where these other teams are kind of using week one as like almost a practice game, really. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, Patrick Mahomes, he's he looked fire from the get-go. Uh, he had that like one big pass to Robinson in the end zone. Sadly, it was um, ruled as an incomplete pass because he dropped it on the way down. But you could see that Mahomes was like firing on all cylinders, hitting, you know, passes, very tight balls thrown and everything. And yeah, I mean, he looked like where he left off in the Super Bowl and everything. Um, But yeah, you can, in these games, you can definitely see that no preseason, what it can lead to is like these quarterbacks, especially they're struggling to warm up when they actually go against another team's defense and not their own defense. Because a lot of teams, um, were practicing in their own stadiums, going against uh, their own team defense just to get some type of scrimmage in. But now they're playing these other defenses, and now it's something you're going to have to get used to. I think this first week um, is definitely good and it helped these teams warm up. So I think as the season goes on, we will see these teams become more better, um, especially the quarterbacks and receivers, like those connections as well. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, the most evident game out of all the, as far as, uh, you know, clearly a lack of connection with uh, quarterback and receiver was probably the Tampa Bay Bucks New Orleans Saints game. You know, Brady just looked out of sync, wasn't communicating well with, uh, yeah. uh, you know, Mike Evans or uh, any of the other receivers like Godwin. Um, and it cost them because, you know, Brady had two interceptions. One was because of uh, miscommunication with Evans. The other, he was late on the throw. I believe it was to Godwin that he was trying to hit. And then uh, the only guy he really had a connection with was Gronk, and Gronk just wasn't getting open. You know, his first game back after uh, a year of retirement, and he kind of struggled too. I think only, what, two catches for 11 yards? I yeah, no, yeah. So can, that was kind of a struggle for them, obviously. Yeah, uh, you could definitely – yeah, I mean, that game was – it was definitely like – you know, we'll jump – we're we might as well jump into that game right now because that game was pretty – it was a popular matchup because you have Brady on a new team that no one expected to happen. Um, that team, like us uh, analysts had – or someone had said that they're like the freaking – Tampa Bay Warriors like the Golden State Warriors almost because like they built like a super team now they just need to you know uh like find a way to click and use everybody like equally on offense yeah yeah Um, I definitely agree with that I I will say this that um Brady as much as he struggled in that game he gave Tampa a chance to win he put them in position but that uh crucial mistake of that drop uh kickoff return that New Orleans was able to recover and extend their lead, really kind of killed Tampa because they were within a touchdown, of, I think, tying the game. And New Orleans just kind of ran away with it after that special teams there on Tampa's part. Yeah. Um, I didn't I didn't see that part. Um, I did see the interception that uh, Tom Brady threw, that pick six. Um which I was pretty shocked. I uh, my friend apparently said that you know it's obvious that Tom Brady doesn't throw in, like a lot of interceptions like that. Yeah. So that you know I think that Saints defense too is like pretty. They know what they're doing now. Um, oh yeah, New Orleans has clearly revamped their defense from previous years. Their defense looked really strong. Uh, clearly enough to confuse Tom Brady a bit. So you know you're doing something right. If- you're confusing uh, one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game. Yeah, I was uh, I was especially shocked. Drew Brees was spreading the ball around um, a lot as well. Uh, Camara got his fair share of snaps. I was like really shocked though that he wasn't using Michael Thomas as much. I'm not sure if that's because the Bucks were like uh, locking him up or double teaming him, having a safety watching him, or 
I just saw a lack of production for Michael Thomas. So the Bucks did something right in that game, stopping him. Um, and then, unfortunately, he got injured, uh, which I think hurt the Saints even more now. But, yeah, I think that Bucks secondary yeah. is, like, doing something good. You know, they're, they, they held Michael Thomas, who arguably is one of the best receivers in the league right now, catches a ton of receptions, so. Yeah, I um, I definitely think you're right on that one. The Bucks defense did look really good. They're just, uh, in my opinion, they're not like they're kind of like their offense. They're re- they're good and they got a lot of potential. They just need to start clicking on all cil- cylinders. And once I think, yeah, exactly, all areas of the Bucks team get going, they're going to be a really dangerous team this year. And who knows, maybe they'll when we see the New Orleans Tampa rematch because they're in the same division, obviously. Uh, maybe uh, Tampa Bay gets a little revenge on New Orleans. Yeah, they play again, so that'll be interesting to see, especially it's, I think, later in the season, too, so that should be good. All right, yeah, let's see. that'll definitely be a great game. Um, we could jump. Uh, I think everybody, all Bears fans, want to see this or hear this. Uh, Lions fans might want to cover their ears, but – Doing a recap of that Bears and Lions game, crazy game. I know for me, there was every Bear fan experienced a mix of emotions during that game, from wanting to throw something at the TV to just joy at the end. Uh, (laughs) So I think I'll I'll jump into this one first, Um, just kind of what I saw. Um, Trubisky, there was a stat line, I think it was by halftime. He was 8 for 20 or so. Um, Really struggled. I mean, yeah, no, really struggled on offense. Uh, I think there was like – Jimmy Graham uh, dropped the pass. He, like, misjumped. Um, there was a lot of plays where receivers were, were just, like, there. There were some balls thrown kind of behind the receiver. Like, I know there was a pass to Ted, Jen, Ted Ginn. Excuse me. Um, and then the Lions, I, the Bears defense, too, they looked good. And then the Lions, obviously, just, you know, got things going on offense finally, especially without Kenny Galladay, which was surprising, too. They Matthew Stafford was able to utilize I mean, Adrian Peterson, too, looked good on offense. I think he was the scary part of that offense, too, is, like, you know, he's he can still produce. So, But then we had that amazing fourth-quarter comeback by the Bears, by Trubisky, who, you know, put the team on his shoulders. And honestly, I told my friend that, you know, he almost – I mean, that comeback was, like, freaking the Patriots and Falcons in the Super Bowl because that was crazy. Like, I didn't – I was did not expect that at all. Uh, I definitely think this was probably – this may arguably be Mr. Trubisky's best performance in his entire NFL career so far. You know, he really rose to the occasion under the pressure with, you know, not only the game on the line, but his uh, future as starting quarterback on the line. You know, it comes out with an abysmal performance. Yeah. and everyone starts questioning when does Nick Foles get the chance to start. So he definitely rose to the pressure. Uh, I will say when uh, the Lions were driving to try and retake the lead at the end of the game, I was a little worried that for the Bears fans that this was going to be one of those near comeback moments because the Lions were moving the ball. But, you know, obviously the drop pass, I want to hear your opinion on that because that was pretty intense. Dude, it was. Uh, I, I remember watching that play, I was just seeing Stafford backing up, throws the ball, and I see this – Lions receiver because it didn't look like a running back at first it was like a receiver seeing how open he was and I was like all right we just lost the game right there and then he catches the ball has control and then I see a fallout at the end and I'm like no freaking way and I'm like cheering I'm like man it was like a mix of like it was like a roller coaster of emotions like I was like (laughs) pissed and confused on where our defense was and why he was that open like why he had that much space but man that sucks like I think even as a Lions fan or even as being DeAndre Swift like no I mean you could see his frustration when he laid on the floor for a second yeah that's just Uh, things that happen to rookies you know it's like the rookie mistakes I'll give him this for you know him being a rookie he had a really strong first performance outside that drop you know I think he was probably up there with Adrian Peterson leading the rushing game and 
you know, he got his first NFL touchdown in that game. He looked really good for a rookie and was having a solid first performance. And that drop is what's going to stick with him out of that game. That's what's going to stick with all the Lions fans. But I think for a plus side of the Lions fans, they can look at him and see confidence in the future. Obviously, they're going to see that drop whenever they think of him. But yeah, he's he's a promising rookie, and he had a really strong performance. And I'm hoping for his sake that he can rebound from this and not let one play affect his entire career. Yeah, no, I think uh, I think he'll move forward and be like, all right, you know, uh, use it as some type of motivation because I know he got a lot of criticism for for that drop pass. But yeah, I'm sure he'll move forward. Um, it's just like. A, a thing that happens to rookies is sometimes they get so excited that they're getting the ball thrown their way that they don't think about catching the ball. They think about getting the yards or getting, and then they end up dropping it. Yeah. Um, I think we saw that with a lot of uh, rookies in this week one matchup. Uh, I know Jerry Judy had a couple drops uh, in that Denver game. And that was kind of surprising since he was one of the highest prospective receivers coming out of this draft. Uh, And then, you know, we talked about the, Texans wide receivers struggling this week one so I think this was a lot of uh, week one jitters combined with not practicing and a lot of young talent on the field so I think as the season goes on we'll see hopefully see a lot less drops in the future but yeah you know I see a lot of promising rookies out of this draft class that I think could have really great seasons yeah no I do too um Sticking on this game, uh, the one rookie I liked uh, was the Bears receiver, Darnell Mooney. He's out of Tulane. Um, very shifty and fast guy for the Bears. He caught a few like passes, put a few moves. I mean, he had three catches for 38 yards, so he looks pretty good. But, yeah, as you said, there's a lot of rookies um, who are going to put on a show for us. We saw it from Edwards. Um, so, you know, since we're on the topic of rookies, we could jump into our next uh, recap of the game, the Bengals and Chargers, Joe Burrow. What do you think of uh, Joe Burrow's first uh, first game experience? For a rookie quarterback in his first game starting week one with this COVID situation going on, I thought he performed really well. Uh, I see a lot of potential out of him. Obviously, even though the Bengals lost the game, they were in position to win, you know, whether – that uh, push off by A.J. Green was offensive pass interference or not is up for debate. Uh, you know, he did ex- fully extend the arm, so yeah. I guess by the rule. But it was an impressive catch by him, and it would have given the Bengals, in all likelihood, the Bengals the win. So, and, uh, you know, he got his first, that rushing touchdown for his first ever career touchdown was really yeah, impressive. that was good. Yeah, so I see a lot of uh, great potential from um, this young guy from just this first performance. He'll obviously continue to improve, and you know, but the opponents will be more difficult. And uh, he's got to like they're going to play the Ravens twice, and so those are the games that we really got to watch him closely on to see how he handles the big high pressure games when all the lights are on him. And I think. Going off this week one performance, I see a lot of com- I have a lot of confidence in him that he he'll be able to rise to the occasion and perform re- really well against those teams. Yeah, I agree. I think Joe Burrow's the one uh, rookie quarterback that was picked, obviously with the first pick of that draft. Where I was like, you know what? I don't think this guy is going to be a, a bust. I know a lot of people were saying like, yeah, this guy's a bust. He had that one amazing year in college, and that was it. But when you look at it, like, and how he plays, I mean, like, he had 23 for 36 passes, 193 yards, and that one interception. But if you, like, think about it, he's starting right away. Like, he hasn't even sat behind a veteran. Like, Andy Dalton's gone. So he's, like, just jumping into it. So I think with him, it's he's going to be good eventually. Like, it's just going to take a few games. And he, in his week one performance, he had a lot of pressure on him. Like, they were down or late in the game and driving under two minutes left, and he put them in position to win, arguably through a game-winning touchdown. In yeah. His first ever performance from a rookie, I think that's really impressive that he was able to put the pressure on his shoulders and put the Bengals in a position to possibly win the game. Um, you know, what happened afterwards is not necessarily his fault, obviously. The game and or all football games really are not 
decided by one player decided by the entire course of the game. Yep. But, you know, it is unfortunately how the circumstances fell and not entirely Joe Burrow's fault that they ended up losing that game. Yeah, no, that, uh, that I saw that field goal. That was so off. Like I was like, wow, I was pretty shocked that that had even happened. Yeah. And you know, for that, uh, I believe that was the kick where the kicker ended up injuring himself on the during the process of the kick. So that's just an unfortunate way to lose that game. Wow. You know, must, I, I didn't know he got uh, hurt. Yeah, I think uh, he might have pulled a hamstring because he was limping off the field and uh, grasping his leg pretty bad. So it's just an unfortunate way to end up losing the game. Yeah, no. Well, yeah, Joe Burrow, I mean, they play the Browns next – or this – tomorrow. They play them tomorrow. Wow. So yeah, we'll get to yeah, see him again. <laughs> yeah, they uh, said the Browns' like pass rushing is gonna be an issue for them. But I think like once the Bengals get an offensive line that can protect them, then I think we're gonna see something special, especially yeah. when the receivers step up too. And I think what's helping Joe Burrow right now compared to Andy Dalton really is Joe Burrow is obviously a lot more mobile, mobile, and. Uh, can elude the defenders where Andy Dalton was obviously a lot more of a pocket passer. And, you know, when you don't have a offensive line to protect a quarterback that's a pocket passer, it, they tend to struggle and the whole offense struggles because of that. Yeah, exactly. Especially when you're not like a, yeah, like what you said, a mobile quarterback, it just becomes twice as hard when you're getting pass rushed every single time. All right. So our last game recap, Patriots and Dolphins. Cam Newton's new home, taking Tom Brady's spot, working with Belichick and Belichick and uh, what's his name, Josh Daniels, I think his name is, the offensive coordinator. Yeah, Josh McDaniels. Yeah, Josh McDaniels. There we go. Thank you. All right. Uh, so you, I mean, you're the Patriot fan. I think it's fair that you get to cover this game and how you like Cam Newton defense, how that game yeah. went. So jump into it. Yeah, this this is uh, something that we haven't really seen the Patriots do before it's a mobile offense except you know that's what everyone's saying except we kind of have we got a little sneak peek of this kind of offense when um uh i'm blanking on his name <laughs> uh, the, uh it's the back when, end, right uh, the third string after jimmy garoppolo oh uh, uh yeah no i know who you're talking about uh Brissette? yeah yeah, Jacoby Brissett. That, yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, when he yeah. when he filled in uh, for uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, who was filling in for Tom Brady in the 2016 season, we saw this first look at a mobile Patriots offense because he, you know, he's a third string quarterback getting his first start week uh, three, I believe, and it was because Tom Brady was serving his suspension and Garoppolo had gotten hurt in the week two game. So, and his first touchdown was similar to what Cam Newton's was, except it was just a longer distance. So, you know, we've seen this before and they uh, knew how to run this and it worked really well with Cam Newton. I liked Cam's performance a lot. Not only did he look great with the running game and how he was able to confuse the defenses on those read options, but he looked great throwing the ball. His passes were really sharp. Uh, threw into tight space, you know, he's got Julian Edelman hit Julian Edelman a lot over the middle, which I think is Edelman's yeah. strong suit because he's quick over the middle, can take the hit, and uh, will still hang on to the ball even when you fit into a tight window and he knows he's going to get hit. So I liked uh, Cam's performance there, and I liked Edelman's performance. And what I was surprised by was how well the defense performed because we lost a lot of guys through free agency – and, you know, players opting out from uh, yeah. COVID situation. But the defense really rose to the occasion. So obviously, Stephon Gilmore looked great coming off his uh, defensive player of the year last year. Uh, but that yeah, secondary performed really well. I would like to see our pass rush uh, get a lot better. They didn't get a sack until, like, late in the fourth quarter, I believe. But I'm excited to see how Cam Newton – is going to carry this team. I expect a lot more great things from him. But, you know, the Dolphins have been one of those teams that have struggled. 
And coming into this week two matchup is what's really going to be a test because we're going against the high-powered Seahawks, who looked really great in that Atlanta game. Russell Wilson was yeah, like as good as he always is. And it's going to be really interesting. I think it's going to be a great game. It's going to be a, be a real test to see how Cam Newton will respond to or handle teams that are even Super Bowl contenders. Yeah, I agree uh, with what you were saying about Cam Newton. I think, uh, you know, I'm watching the highlights right now, the recap, looking at it. Um, I think kind of what we were talking about earlier about this first game of uh, the season being kind of like a, almost a practice. I think going against a weak Dolphins team, I think this was definitely a warm-up for Cam Newton to see what he could do with his Patriots offense. Um, he looked very shifty. Um, the Like you said, the options and all that. I think seeing the Patriot offense run like that is pretty fun, not going to lie. And um, on top of that, like, yeah, like you said, passes were sharp. I'm surprised what he was able to do with um, the receivers because obviously, like, I think the receiving core for the Patriots has been kind of like a weak spot. Like Edelman right now is probably their best player, and I don't know yeah, if you think different. I would, him, but... I, I would agree there. I mean, it's kind of hard to go against a Super Bowl yeah. MVP for wide receivers, like saying that he's not your best guy. So he's clearly is. I would like to see uh, better performance out of Nikhil Harry because he was our first round pick a year ago. Yeah, exactly. And he did. He only had a like a couple catches for a few yards and did fumble a possible touchdown. So I would like a better performance out of him going forward, but he hasn't played a lot. He spent uh, much of last year on the injury reserve list and didn't come in until late. So I think uh, just over time and development will help him. But I think from just this week one performance and not having a lot of real weapons out there, it's interesting to see how the Patriots are handling that by making – Cam uh, run the ball more. And like you said, it's a lot more fun to watch, honestly. Yeah, no. Um, I remember, like, every – he was, like, on the free agency for a while. I remember we did a episode where we were trying to predict where he could go if the Patriots were a possible spot, and then it happened, and we were like, whoa, like, this is crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, we're getting good at those uh, predictions because you predicted dude, yeah. Jamal Adams going to Seattle. <laughs> Yeah, dude. No, for real. When those trades happened, I was like, what? Like, come on, guys. You guys got to tune in more, man. Look at us. We're like from the future. Yeah, exactly. Predict, <laughs> predicting these trades. But, yeah, I think Cam Newton is, is going to be a good quarterback in New England with whatever years he has. I'm sure he'll stay with them, too. Um, I think yeah. they will definitely I have to do better in the draft, uh, upcoming draft, get more players, and I'm sure they could be back to their old ways. Yeah, and I was uh, just talking about this today. Um, I don't know that Cam Newton is the long-term answer for replacing Tom Brady. He, as good as he was, and as much as I like him as quarterbacking for the Patriots, I don't see him being the long-term success because he is an older quarterback in the league and has had some injuries. So I think uh, possibly looking at, you know, getting a good quarterback in this draft maybe trading up to get Trevor Lawrence might be a good idea to try and fulfill the, who's going to be the next franchise quarterback for the Patriots. Um, Honestly with that. So I'm, you know, Cam Newton, obviously, like you said, he's not young. He's, you know, he won't be a long-term answer as much as we would like to see it. Um, because their backup is who Jared, it's Jared Stidham and yeah Brian Hoyer, yeah Brian Hoyer. I think, I think once Cam Newton leaves, that's when we'll see Jared Stidham. I think what they're doing right now is really grooming him. He sat behind Brady. He's sitting behind Cam Newton now. Like this guy is learning, gonna learn a lot. So yeah. I think yeah, that's by a good the, point. Yeah, I think by the time that Cam Newton leaves, that he'll be ready to go. Because I mean. Like we said before, preseason he did good. I mean, he looks like a good quarterback. Um, now they just need to give, you know, rebuild his team, give him more weapons for the future. And I think when Cam Newton's done, then that's when we'll see uh, Jared Stidham come out. Yeah, and I think uh, them picking up Cam Newton so late shows that they kind of do want Jared Stidham to step up. 
but they just don't have the confidence in him yet. And so want to give him more time to learn and develop and, you know, having another older successful quarterback in Cam Newton step in and uh, kind of take the reins now will help him learn a whole new style of offense than he ever would have from Tom Brady. Yep. I agree. And I think uh, this season will definitely be um, a pretty decent one for the Patriots. Cause I, I'm sure Cam Newton will do special things, but as for, I mean, maybe wild card, maybe just that. I'm not sure, but I think this will definitely be a good way for Stidham to learn. It'll be a good rebuilding year to get more players in this upcoming draft because it's full of talent. So we'll see what the yeah. Patriots can do. And I think uh, this week two matchup against Seattle is really going to show uh, what this Patriots team is going to be able to do against tougher opponents like Seattle. And, you know, they got Kansas City coming up. They got Houston. Uh, it's gonna be a little bit of a, it's gonna be a lot tougher of a schedule than it was last year. I'll say that, but uh, I think you know these tougher games here are gonna show what type of Patriots team is this. Like, is this one that will actually contend in the playoffs, or is this one that is gonna struggle to even make the playoffs? So, wide receiver Allen Robinson for the Bears uh, recently had deleted uh all bears related things off social media i think it was his twitter i'm not sure about instagram and all that but that obviously raised a lot of concerns for bears fans um as well as maybe some other fans kind of seeing that the bears still haven't extended him um there was also there was a rumor going around that i thought it was real because nbc chicago posted it on facebook as well that he actually demanded a trade which made my heart drop to my stomach um so, yeah, I mean, uh, his agent did come out, though, and say that those rumors um, are false and that he actually hasn't demanded a trade, um, but rather that uh, he's frustrated uh, that the Bears have yet to extend him and talk um, those negotiations. Um, he did say that he uh, wanted to retire a Bear, um, which, you know, that's uh, kind of like a, a sign like, hey, let's – extend them long keep them here in Chicago even if that means we have to cut some people I'm sure we could do it especially for uh next year and those upcoming years with the cap space but um so I mean my feelings on this I think uh apparently he wants the extension now we know before he didn't sign the extension because I think he was trying to see what was going to happen with the quarterback situation with either Nick Foles or Trubisky. I think he likes Trubisky and like works well with him. Um, but as for the deleting Bears content, I think that was like a red flag for a lot of people because usually players who do that uh, plan on leaving the team, plan on getting a trade happening. They're like unhappy with the team, and that's fair. Uh, I know some Bears players came out as well. Um, I know Tariq Cohen had tweeted, and then Darnell Mooney, the rookie, retweeted uh, hashtag extend AR. And I, you know, I agree. Um, I'm not sure what Ryan Pace is waiting on. I don't know if Ryan Pace is waiting for Allen Robinson to quote unquote prove himself because I think he has already done that. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of what's going through my head is like, why haven't we extended him? He's our best player on offense right now. Um, and he's been making a majority of the plays. He's He comes up clutching those, um, having to win the game or game on the line. Like, he makes those insane catches. And um, so I read an article today uh, where he kind of, you know, they spoke with Nagy. He spoke with Nagy, um, and he had basically said, um, he said, the biggest thing is for me uh, – focusing on playing, which I've been doing. I know it's not going to be a distraction for me. For me, the biggest thing is just going out there, trying to play my best, trying to ball out and keep trying to lead this offense. I think that's the biggest thing because at the end of the day, everything in between the lines trumps everything. So he's not being a drama queen or anything about the um, extensions. I think he's just frustrated that they have yet to reach a deal. And today he met with Nagy. Nagy wanted to talk to him and everything. So... But, yeah, that's kind of what's going through my head. Uh, what do you think about this whole thing? Honestly, I'm surprised they haven't already signed him yet either. He's clearly Trubisky's favorite target. He, you know, kind of – there's a lot of games where he really carries that Bears offense. And I don't know how you can't re-sign the player that 
really does that, you know, I feel like that'd be one of the first things you try to do is keep him in Chicago to, yeah, you know, exactly. you know, help out Trubisky. Hopefully, you know, maybe they can create some salary cap space. Maybe like, like you said, he's not trying to be, a, it doesn't seem like he's really trying to be a, that much of a distraction. He's clearly frustrated, but if I was him, I don't know if I would expect a contract extension mid season. A lot of those things kind of happen at the end of the season. So maybe just try and ball out as hard as you can this season, which in his week one performance, he looked pretty good. Uh, I definitely think he's going to do have a lot more better games than that, but you know, he was clearly still got it. He's still like the guy that Trubisky relies on the most. So, you know, yeah. I think he continues to ball out. There's no doubt in my mind that the Bears will re-sign him. And if they don't, I think that's a huge loss on the Bears organization's part. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, those usually extensions do happen towards the end of the season. Um, and, yeah, like, he's led this offense. He really has nothing to prove. And I do agree that, you know, he's not going to become a distraction. He literally said that he was just focused on playing so he's just going to keep playing um but yeah as a, i mean as a bears fan like when i saw that we signed jimmy graham who's you know who's in his older years in the nfl to a, to that much money to 20 i think it was 25 mil or so and then we signed nick Foles to a big deal um and now he's sitting on the bench and then we paid robert quinn which is you know arguably a good pickup but he has he hasn't practiced. I think he only did one practice, and then he didn't play against the Lions. So it's like I think I can understand. Well, I, I can't understand. I'm obviously not an NFL player, but you can see kind of the that they're like paying all these other players and everything like good amount of money, and then here he is. But yeah, I think towards the end of the season we'll see an extension, and if not, um, he's gonna obviously go to a different team and that is going to set back this offense really bad. Um, and I think we won't see pace again. I think pace will be fired and relieved from the spot for letting such an asset go like that because you don't let Allen Robinson go. Like that's the best player on that bears offense. And like you said, he makes a bunch of plays. Yeah. And I don't see how you can not pay Allen Robinson, but pay Nick Foles so much money to just sit on the bench. Really? You know, I understand Nick Foles was one of those that was supposed to compete for the starting job, and he clearly is, as he's proven, unfortunately, in past games for Patriot fans. <laughs> uh, he's proven himself to be a very, uh, you know, good backup quarterback and, um, you know, possibly a great or a good starting quarterback if he can find the right landing spot. Uh, but Trubisky did beat him out over the course of what practices they have had. So, you know, to pay him that much to really just sit on the bench and not pay Allen Robinson, your best weapon on that offense to stay in Chicago would be, um, you know, just a complete uh, one of the dumbest decisions I would ever see in the NFL as far as uh, contracts go. Yeah, no, I agree. Um I wouldn't be surprised if we started seeing some Bears players like restructure their contract so that they're able to pay Robinson. But I don't know. I'm kind of like wondering if if they maybe might have a talk. Like he'll go sit with Ryan Pace in the office and talk something out. I'm I'm surprised that, and I'm not even sure if he has talked to Ryan Pace. So I think like talking to Nagy is a good idea. I'm sure Nagy will pass along information about his commitment to Chicago and everything. And I, don't know, I think we'll see something worked out in the upcoming weeks, um, maybe by mid-season, hopefully. But he goes up against the Giants this coming week. So in last uh, year against the Giants, he had like 100 yards and a touchdown. So I'm sure he's going to put on a show. But, yeah, I mean, he's he's the best player on that offense. And we have young receivers who are needing to be groomed, and he's the perfect guy to do. He's humble. He's not a drama queen. <clears throat> so, yeah, I'm sure we'll see some type of extension hopefully soon because it would be a shame to lose such a player that is as good as him like that. Vic Fangio uh, with the horrible clock management at the end of that Broncos and Titans game on uh, Monday night. Um, that was that was pretty bad just seeing 
he only left 17 seconds uh, for his quarterback, Drew Locke, to do something. And Drew Locke, I think, had that one play where he, like, wasted, like, nine seconds or so just to run out of bounds. And I'm like, oh, man. Like, they pretty much only had one more play to run that Hail Mary. Or I think they had two more plays. But you can kind of just see, like, that Vic Fangio should have just stayed a defensive coordinator for the Bears. I think, like, when that happened, I kind of laughed and I was like, dude, you it shows that you can't handle, like, the whole offense side because, like, you had all those timeouts and couldn't even call them. And if you would have had those timeouts, then, like, you can't put, um, as my friend said, you can't put the rookie quarter – or not rookie quarterback, but, like, a young quarterback in that situation – a situation like that is like left for somebody like Tom Brady or Drew Brees where they know what to do with that time and know what type of plays to run. But, oh, man, that was bad. Like, And I'm sure you were disgusted by it too because it's like oh, yeah. you only leave your quarterback with that much time. Yeah. and I mean, I guess I can understand some circumstances around that. He's obviously trying to uh, go for the win instead of – even though the Titans were in field goal range. And in my opinion, should have instantly started calling timeouts to try and preserve as much time. Cause if you're in field goal range, you can almost, well, I'd say more than 50% of the time, you can probably guarantee that that team's going to score unless they screw up big time. So you need to start managing that clock and thinking about how to, how much time to leave your offense. And, yeah. you know, Goskowski had been really struggling in that game in like ways that, we hadn't really seen him struggle Dude, before. That was like, bad. Like, how many yeah. kicks did he miss? I, he missed all of them except for he, that last he one. Missed, but. He missed uh, three field goals, one of which was blocked, and then I believe he missed an extra point. So he left a lot of points on the board for Tennessee, and Tennessee really shouldn't have been in that situation uh, yeah. where they needed to kick the game any field goal. But, yeah, the clock exactly. management was terrible. And Dude, I can see uh, your point with him – being better on defense than offense because, you know, for the most part of that game, the Broncos really handled uh, Derrick Henry well. They, you know, he never had a really big run that he was able to break free like we saw him do in the playoffs last year. But when it came to, you know, you can't, even if you had Drew Brees or Tom Brady, 17 seconds is not enough time to do anything, especially when they're backed up like they were, um, after that kickoff, you know, you're kind of hoping for, uh, um, as much as I hate to say it, a Miami miracle, <laughs> but yeah, no, you know, those exactly. are one in a thousand. So the clock management was just, you know, terrible. And I feel bad for all Broncos fans. Cause I'm sure they were all just, they're all just absolutely furious with their coach right now. Yeah, no, I had uh, seen Broncos fans and the comments on Facebook on their Broncos page. They were livid. They were so upset. But um, going back to those missed, missed kicks, I had seen something on Facebook here. It was a meme uh, that NFL memes posted. Let me send it to you. I, I found it pretty funny because it's like it felt like maybe this was done purposefully. But at the same time, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, you can almost uh... – Use that on the Tampa Bay Bucks too with Brady and Gronk. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, no, that was bad though. Um, my clock management and everything, but kind of recap, uh, recapping that game just a little bit since we're on that game topic. Um, I think that Broncos offense looked really good. I think Drew Locke is a promising quarterback, uh, for Denver, uh, versus guys like Trevor Simeon or Paxton Lynch. Uh, I think Drew Locke is the better quarterback there. I mean, he has an arm. He he knows what he's doing. Like, it looks like he knows what he's doing. He uh, hits guys like Noel Fant. Um, he did – he clicked really well with. And um, I know he clicked good with Jerry Judy. Got him a few passes. And then having Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay. So – and there was a fun fact, and I know we were talking about it uh, before the episode, but um, – the average age of the Broncos offense is only 24 years old, which is like, for me, was pretty shocking because it's like, that's a very young offense and seeing what they're doing so far is pretty good and they'll grow together. And so now having Jerry Judy a part of that, I think that's pretty cool. And I think the Broncos, 
Um, if not this year, but next year, I think they'll be good, especially when they get like Vaughn Miller back, who was hurt, but like Bradley Chubb and that other guy, I forgot his name. Um, he did really well uh, with the pass rush too. Yeah, and you know we did see. Uh, I like you said. Um, I see a lot of good stuff out of Drew Lock. I definitely think um, he's a quarterback for the Broncos that can grow and develop. And you know they're starting to put the white right weapons around him. And I think a key thing to bring up there was that their number one receiver from last year, Cortland Cortland Sutton, was out for that game with a injury. Oh so yeah, they were playing without their that. number one guy, yeah. and that kind of slowed them down. Especially when you got a lot of young guys like Judy out there. Um, and but I do see a lot of uh, great potential from uh, these guys. Uh, you know, Philip Lindsay's been uh, pretty dangerous running back for a long time now, or not a long time, but a few years now. And uh, he's adding Melvin Gordon into that mix is only going to add more uh, of a run threat for these Bronco, this Broncos offense. It's really going to yeah. come into play here this season. I think we'll see a lot of defenses, at least some defenses, struggle to how they're going to manage these two really great running backs in the league along with uh, the dangerous weapons of Sutton and uh, Judy. And uh, as they continue to grow and develop, I think they're going to be really dangerous threats. And we're going to have to watch out for the Broncos being uh, a potential uh, playoff team here this year, I think. Yeah, I think they'll do good in their division. Um, But, yeah, even in that game, um, now flipping to the tight end side, Dude, Derrick Henry looked like he struggled a lot. He didn't look because how many yards? Let me see how many yards he had. Because I know it wasn't a lot. Let's see. I'm gonna look on fantasy. Uh, because they were closing gaps. They were. I don't know if you saw that too. They were just. Well, Derrick Henry got taken down when he had a one-on-one matchup in the backfield, and he got kind of. Dude, I yeah, I seen that. I was like, I was shocked. I was like, what? How the heck did they bring him down one on one? That's kind of something that we haven't really seen before, and that really surprised me when uh, that linebacker was able to—I can't remember the linebacker's name—but he just kind of planted Derrick Henry. I'm like, that's not something that you see every day. Yeah. Oh, okay. He didn't have that bad of a game on. Yeah, he had 116 yards, but he just couldn't punch it into the end zone. I remember when the Broncos really. I was that was surprising, and the thing I noticed is like he never had a real big breakaway run like he had against the Ravens and the Patriots in the playoffs, like where he just shedded tackles and broke it for twenty thirty yards. He never really had that run against Denver, and that kind of surprised me. Most of his runs were just you know medium runs up the middle for a few yards that you know added all together they create the 116 yards but it wasn't like quite like his dominant performances that he had in the playoffs yeah no um and I think part of that was just that Broncos D-line and I they knew what they were going up against so um Titans are facing the Jaguars this coming weekend so I think we'll see um Derrick Henry do more damage I think on a week Jaguars D-line that is missing Calias Campbell and the other guy that they just – I can't say his name. They traded him to the Vikings, so I'm sure he'll have more – even more production and look even more better. But, yeah, that yeah. was a good matchup. So, And I think we'll see I the Broncos do good. Yeah. I think uh, both these teams are going to be uh, strong playoff contenders, especially the Titans with Derrick Henry. And, you know, I wouldn't expect that terrible performance out of Steven Goskowski every week. He's a Hall of Fame kicker, you know or a future Hall of Fame kicker. And, you know, just being on a new team with the situation that's been going on on all season, that's all anyone can talk about. He clearly has been out of practice a bit. But in clutch time, when all the chips were down and he he had to make the one kick to the only kick in the game that really mattered, he came through. And I think that kind of shows how great of a kicker that he really is. And I would expect a lot better performances out of him in the future. 
So we are doing a new thing on the podcast where since now it's football season, obviously a lot of football fans across the country tune in and play fantasy football. Um, obviously, we're not experts, so you do not have to go with our advice. And we do caution you that if, maybe if you do go along with our advice and it doesn't turn out well, don't try to belittle us or anything. We're not experts. We're just giving our own opinions on what we know and looking at these matchups and any advantages uh, there are. So this is something we'll be doing every week. So if you do not want to listen to the other parts of the podcast for any reason and you're just into fantasy, um, you could catch this segment. Uh, there will be a time uh, in the descriptions where you can click on that time and you can start that segment. Um, so jumping into it, I think a popular matchup here is going to be uh, the Cardinals obviously facing uh, that Washington defense. I think um, DeAndre Hopkins is going to be a obvious pick to have him play um, against that uh, Redskins defense. The pass rush is good for the Redskins defense, but their secondary has been wobbly. Um, so yeah, I think yeah, I think they'll have a good matchup there with uh, Hopkins. Uh, obviously, working with Murray, he had good production uh, production last um, game versus the 49ers. So I think DeAndre Hopkins is going to bring something special against uh, the Redskins as well. Um, what do you think about that? I definitely uh, agree. You know, uh, as much as uh, Philadelphia struggled against Washington, uh, Carson Wentz was able to throw the ball downfield. It's just that pass rush, and uh, I think if the you know Kyler Murray is a lot more mobile, so I think um, maybe consider starting Kyler Murray if you got him on fantasy. Uh, yeah, because if he's exactly, he's gonna have uh, he might have a field day against Washington. I see a lot of uh, potential for uh, a high scoring performance from him. And with DeAndre Hopkins, this could be the first game that we really see him truly go off. And uh, with this new team, yeah, I agree. Um, going into uh, my next uh, pick that you're going to want to probably play is I'm going to say Stefan Diggs uh, playing a weak Miami defense. Um, their defense, their secondary is not, they lost uh, Fitzpatrick. Um, and so they're not the best defense right now. They lost some pieces. So I think having Stefan Diggs on this new Bills team with Josh Allen, um, they snapped off um, against the Jets. Stefan Diggs, who recorded 16 catches, I think he'll get more of a workload uh, against Miami as well. Um, and so, yeah, and I think uh, the sleeper pick, this is going to be uh, surprising to a lot, but I think Deshaun Watson is going to be my sleeper pick. Um, I think going against a Baltimore defense and not having Hopkins and just still trying to get used to the offense, I don't think he's going to produce as many points uh, for them when it comes going against that Ravens defense, that pass rush, and secondary as well. Yeah, I think the Hopkins one will really depend on how well the new guys, you know, Brandon Cooks and Randall Cobb perform. Uh, if they can finally get in sync with Deshaun Watson, then he could have a potential good day. But that Ravens defense is tough. We saw them pretty much stomp out the Browns, no problem. So I'd be hesitant if I'm going to play Deshaun Watson. All right. Uh, so what's a uh, pick uh, that you think will be a good uh, person to start this week? I think obviously, you know, we saw how good of a field day that Trubisky had at least late in that game against the uh, Lions. So I think you got to go Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, um, especially coming off that really strong performance uh, against Minnesota and them being at Lambeau Field this week, even without fans, they're always a team that you got to watch out when they're at home, just that home field environment. So I think Aaron Rodgers or Devontae Adams, you kind of have to play this week going against the Lions. Uh, one guy that I am really interested to see his performance this week, uh, this would be kind of my uh, slightly in-between guy because you don't know how he's going to perform. But I see a lot of upside is uh, C.D. Lamb. You know, he's kind of a oh, yeah. yep. guy that you take a chance on and hope that he does well, but you don't have the background to know if he's going to be uh, really successful or not long-term. But, you know, in that week one performance, he did make a few catches, uh, 
got some got some yards. Uh, I think he, uh, yeah, fifty nine yards on five receptions at six targets. So uh, I think we were talking earlier, and the Cowboys do want to incorporate him more into the offense. And going against an Atlanta defense that really struggled against Seattle, plus the other weapons in Amari Cooper and Ezekiel Elliott, who are going to get most of the attention from that Falcons defense, I think it's really going to open up uh, C.D. Lamb. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, my sleeper pick, I don't – I think you got to – I'm really hesitant to <laughs> say carry on Johnson from the Detroit Lions. I yeah, think, no, uh, I agree. You know, we saw Swift and uh, Adrian Peterson kind of look like they were going to be the main two running backs for this Lions offense, and Johnson really struggled. I might even consider getting rid of Johnson if you have him on fantasy and try and pick him, try to pick up uh, someone else to fill up that running back spot on your team because it looks like Adrian Peterson and uh, Swift are going to be here to stay for a while if they keep up these performances like they had in Chicago. And I don't know what Johnson's future holds for Detroit. Yeah, um, I agree with that uh, in that aspect of C.D. Lamb. I think he's going to get more snaps. He already showed what he could do. Um, so against uh, Falcons defense, that got torched by the Seahawks. I think the Cowboys could come into that game as well and dominate that. Um, and for on Johnson, yeah, uh, just haven't seen enough from him to want to start him. So if you are starting him, we would advise that maybe you don't, in our own opinion, um, because he's just not getting as many snaps and as many good runs as before. Um, going into my last... Um, pick that you might want to play is Jared Goff. I think we're going to see Jared Goff do something against that uh, Philly defense. Um, he struggled against that Cowboys defense, yes, but the Philly defense is not as um, good. They do have Darius Slay, so that is kind of the dangerous part, but I think Jared Goff could come into this game and dominate against a Philly's pass rush that has a lot of guys who are questionable to play right now and who ended up losing to the Redskins so I think Jared Goff is my pick that you should play um as now going into the sleep uh sleeper pick uh I'm gonna have to say Mark Ingram uh the second I don't think he you know he struggled in that first game against the Browns only brought in 2.9 points so against his Texans team I'm just not as confident that he will put up a whole bunch of points. So if you have him, I would consider um, maybe putting in your backup running back um, as well. Yeah, I definitely agree with all that. You know, um, Mark Ingram definitely struggled. And we didn't see – I didn't see, at least from my opinion, uh, him really perform quite like he did when he was in New Orleans and last year uh, with the Ravens. So. I'm hesitant on his future with uh, Baltimore because it just doesn't seem like he's being as productive as, you know, his potential shows. So for my definite start, for my other definite start this week, I think you got to go Alvin Kamara versus Las Vegas. Uh, Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. He clearly performed well against Tampa and you know we talked about how Tampa's defense even though they didn't perform to their highest potential uh he like he still torched them and their Tampa's defense has still got great guys even though they weren't clicking on all cylinders uh and we've seen it year in and year out that New Orleans is always going to try and find a way to get Alvin Kamara the ball in space and he's going to make defenses pay if they give him that space so I think without a doubt you have to play uh Alvin Kamara uh my second sleeper pick I am really interested to see your opinion on this I'm not too sure on Tariq Cohen because no I agree didn't have he didn't have a good performance against Detroit. And they're going up against the Giants, who, you know, their defense kind of struggled against Ben Roethlisberger in his first game back. And I'm hesitant to play Tariq Cohen and questionable on his future for the Bears. Yeah, I think Tariq Cohen, um, 
you know, now he's kind of behind Montgomery. Montgomery's back and the Bears as well have been playing Cordell Patterson in that running back uh, position. So, yeah, I don't think we're going to see a lot of production from Tariq Cohen. So I agree with that pick um, as well as I agree with your uh, first pick of Camaro. Camaro, uh, let's see. I'm looking at fantasy right now and he did well against the Bucks. Um, yeah, he had 23 points. So I think going against a... Las Vegas defense, I think he's going to do even better um, potentially. So I do agree with those picks as well. Um, going into our waiver wire uh, time now, if you need to pick up players, whether it's running backs, receivers, quarterbacks potentially, um, one running back that I was um, liking was um, let's see, one of, Malcolm Brown from the Rams. Um, he had a strong week in fantasy, 26 points. Um, and I, you know, against the Eagles uh, defense, defensive line that has questionable guys and is just not as strong, I think we'll see him get uh, more points as well. Uh, do you have anybody on the waiver wire you think is a guy to be looking at? Yeah, uh, I think a lot of people might have been hesitant to pick up Adrian Peterson this year, given that we didn't know his future with Detroit since it was kind of a late uh, signing for him yeah. and you know they already had two uh, strong running backs but I think after this week one performance he's someone that you definitely got to keep an eye on and possibly look at picking up uh, this season because he had a strong week one performance if he continues that week two week three uh, then he could he in all likelihood he's going to have at least one game where he really goes off and I think if you start him on that game and you get that game like right then it could really turn around your fantasy season. Agreed. Um, another pickup, I think, and I'm being a little biased here, but uh, James Ro- James Robinson from the Jaguars, um, 36.3% of people rostered him, uh, added him to their roster. He had a 10-point performance. Um, they do play the Titans, but he is the number one running back for Jacksonville, so you will get snaps out of him. Um, and he's sharing time with Chris Thompson, so James Robinson is the way to go now, um, as well as if you need a running back. Um, and then as for receiver, you I picked him up. Uh, I think Russell Gage from the Falcons is good. He had 20 points. Um, scored in their first game. They do play the Cowboys, um, and 10.3% of people rostered him as well. I think he will be a guy to watch. Um, he is taking on that Mohamed Sanu role, um, being the third receiver, so I'm sure we'll see something uh, from him as well against the Cowboys. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, Atlanta's always one of those teams that will look for Julio Jones first, but if a defense is covering Julio Jones well, then those other guys can potentially have big games uh, because defenses, you know, they focus so much attention on that number one guy, and especially one as good as Julio Jones, that they'll let the other one slip. And I think uh, he can definitely have a – he'll definitely have at least one breakout game if you – time it right uh in my for me uh one quarterback i think might have gone under the radar in a lot of drafts is uh drew lock for denver you know they got a lot of young weapons but as they continue to develop i think he's gonna have a lot a few games this season where he's gonna put up big points in it yeah i don't know if he was a quarterback that you're gonna want to start every week uh but he could to t- potentially fill in a good backup spot if uh, your quarterback's on a bye or, uh, you know, going up against a really tough defense. And if Drew Locke has a good matchup, especially with the young guys and Jerry Judy and uh, Cortland Sutton, uh, Drew Locke would be one of those guys that has a good performance that might just be enough to get you a win in fantasy. Uh, For my wide receiver that I think you might consider, I got to go Alan Lazard from Green Bay. He had a really oh, yeah. strong performance. That's a good one. Uh, yeah, had a really strong performance week one. As a young guy, I don't think a lot of people saw as much uh, potential in him as he performed week one. And if we see this guy uh, continue this trend, I think he's a great number two wide receiver for Green Bay and a great pick in fantasy. I agree with you um, about Drew Locke, but um, more, specific, more specifically, Alan Lazard, um he's been playing good like last year he played really well and 
this year he's going to play good with Rodgers. He's been targeted, so I think that's a good pick. Um, for me, for receiver, I would probably – so right now, um, Corey Davis is questionable with a hamstring. He put up 17 points against the Broncos defense, got majority of the passes. He showed what he could do. Um, so if you desperately need a receiver, I would pick up Corey Davis. He is questionable with a hamstring injury, so just be advised about that. But he should maybe play against the Jaguars. Um, if you do not feel comfortable with getting uh, Corey Davis, uh, there are guys, other guys who are good. I think uh, another potential guy is Keelan Cole Sr. from the Jaguars as well, who gets some. Um, a lot of playing time with the Jaguars um, because there's no clear best player on the Jaguars receiver wise. I think, um, you know, Chark is good, but I think uh, Keenan Keelan Cole is a good second option, but yeah, for receivers, those are the guys you might want to consider if you do need a receiver on your team. I think one position on fantasy that is often overlooked, but could be a make or break for a lot of people. Uh, week to week is probably tight end. And if you got a tight end on your team that's not getting targeted a lot, I would consider Greg Olson out of Seattle. Uh, he put up 8.4 points in fantasy at least week one. Uh, so if he's putting up those numbers when they're having a good day, uh, he might struggle again. If he's only putting up those numbers on a good day, he might struggle against good teams. But if you get him on a good matchup and you need to replace your tight end, he's one that – uh, you might consider because I think he'll have at least one or two games where he puts up good numbers and that could uh, possibly get you uh, the win. That could be a, the whole difference of getting you a win or a loss uh, that we can fancy and uh, making the playoffs in your league. Okay, so that's going to wrap up our fantasy pick Um Like I said, just be cautious. We're not experts, but we are giving our own opinions on kind of um, who – who these offensive guys are going against um, and some guys who you should be aware of who might not get a big workload and who might not put up a lot of points. So we will, um, this will be the new additional uh, most likely happen towards the end of um, the episodes where we'll give our picks, but uh, recapping kind of what we went through was the week one recaps. Um, So if you want to listen to that again, um, it's there. We talked about the Allen Robinson deal and what's going on in Chicago with him. Um, we talked about uh, the Broncos and Titans, that time management and that young Broncos offense. And finally, we ended off with the fantasy pick uh for week two. Uh, so we will be dropping one episode per week to recap uh, the previous week um, and go over any news that happens in that week and everything. So I hope you tune in. Um, And, yeah, we're excited to get this back on. Um, And thank you for tuning in.